No matter if points are gained or points are lost, there will be much to discuss. For analysis regarding tonight's Winnipeg Jets game, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve post-game show starts now. Good evening, Winnipeg. Good evening, Manitoba. And for all those joining us live this evening, from the rolling hills of the bluegrass of Kentucky to the flatlands of Manitoba, we say good evening, universe, and welcome to the Illegal Curve post-game show. Along with Ezra Ginsberg, I'm your host, Drew Mandel, here to discuss the Winnipeg Jets' Dominant victory over the big, bad Boston Bruins. A 5-1 win, Ezra, a game that the Winnipeg Jets, from puck drop to final whistle, controlled thoroughly and left another impactful victory upon a team that is a quote-unquote measuring stick in this league. And the Jets have answered the bell many times over the course of the last month, and they did so again tonight, wrapping up their pre-Christmas schedule with an absolute beatdown of the Bruins. Nice to see you on this, uh, what is this, a Friday night, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's a Friday night, last Jets game before Christmas, but it's not the last Bruins game before Christmas because, of, Port- yeah. of course, they play the Minnesota Wild tomorrow night. Uh, I bet they wish that was the last game because <laughs> they probably, uh, you know, would rather just go to a hot vacation than have to play another game. But you could also look at it like the Bruins have an opportunity to go into the Christmas break with a win. But been watching the, the Avalanche not once but twice and also mm-hmm. that win against the Kings, like, you know, I was kind of thinking in the couple minutes leading up to going live here, I was kind of thinking like, you know, we're probably going to be talking about, you know, was this the most impressive Jets win of the year? I still, for me, think that Jets win in LA over the Kings in the second game of a back-to-back at the end of the road trip, that was more impressive. For, I think that was the end of the road trip, or it was the third game of a four-game road trip. It was, it was the end it of the road the trip. Second, yeah, it was the second game of a back-to-back. I yeah. know that. All these games start to kind of, you know... uh Blend together, going to blend in together at this point uh, near the holidays, but yeah, just really impressive. And and obviously, you know, these were two of the best defensive teams in the league, so you know, not surprising that it was almost scoreless after one period. Right. Of course, Josh Morrissey scores really late there, but uh, just you know, a, a master class on how to shut down one of the best teams in the east. And Dave M is always talking about you know, how uh, dominant the Jets have been against the East. But this was kind of unexpected, right? Like, Well, you know, but that's Bruins... just it, Ezzy. Sorry. You know, it, it, I, I think at this point in time, it shouldn't be unexpected anymore. That's just how good this Jets team has been playing. I mean, they're going to finish this Not part... unexpected, by the way, Drew, that the Jets beat the Bruins. I think right. just how dominant they were at stifling the, the Bruins. Only sure. had a, there was a stretch from the middle part of the second period to the middle part of the third period. I saw our good friend Darren Bombing tweet this. The Jets only had two shots. So that's 20 minutes of play, you know, right in the middle of the game till the third period where the Jets didn't have any shots. Pardon me, the Bruins didn't have any shots. Right. So that just shows you how dominant the Jets were defensively. Like they made David Pasternak look like a, like a very average Pedestrian. player. Right? Yeah, yeah. He, they they made you know they made the Bruins look pedestrian. They made Brad Marchand look pedestrian, and you know it, it, the Bruins are obviously going to lose some games. They don't lose very many games, but I don't think that you see the Boston Bruins get controlled and really uh, physically manhandled to the way that the Jets did the, tonight very often. I mean, this is what I'm talking well, Char- about. In terms sorry, of it. through Charlie McAvoy 
yeah. was was in a world of hurt after that hit from Adam Lowry. Like sure. that was just that was just a, a a big man hitting another big man with a solid hit. That's all that was. But it was right. a hit that you know McAvoy was feeling for you know a good solid five minutes after he was hunched over on the bench for a while after taking that hit. I believe that was in the in the third period when that one happened. He was either late second or or third at this point in time. But you know that's that that's what stands out to me so much is that the Jets are. They're not phased by who their opponent is. I mean, you know, they did what they did against the Detroit Red Wings on Wednesday night in controlling that game and really stepping on a weaker opponent and as they should. But to do what they did tonight against the Boston Bruins, a Boston Bruins team that is used to being the bully, they're used to being the ones who dictate the pace and dictate the flow of play. And yeah, that's, you know, sometimes they're going to lose games because every team in this league loses games. But you don't see, I mean, you can count probably on the, on one hand the number of times in the course of a year, at least in, in the past few years, where the Bruins have just been completely dominated and manhandled and controlled. And so the Bruins had no answer and they had no response. They couldn't penetrate the Winnipeg Jets uh, defensive zone coverage. Everything was to the outside. I mean, they get their one goal and we'll get into it on the Betway game recap coming up here in a little while. They get their one goal on what is absolutely a, a well, the game fluke. was long, long gone. Yeah, after of course, that it's, point. it's a meaningless goal. And it's a fluky goal. It's not like that's, you know, the, the shot expectancy or the goal expectancy on that shot is very low. It happens to get a bad deflection and pass Connor Hellebuck. But, you know, really, you know, you're, I was watching, I had the privilege tonight of watching uh, the, the, the NESN, the New England Sports Network broadcast of the game. I wasn't watching uh, our friends at TSN 3 and I was watching, I was watching the Nesson broadcast. And, you know, throughout the course of the game, you could sort of see their tone change towards the Jets. You know, in the first period, they were like, okay, the Jets controlled that one, but I think there was, there was some opportunities for the Bruins that maybe they didn't take uh, advantage of. And then by the time the second period rolled around and they saw that the Jets were just dominating the Bruins, I think they sort of snapped to it and realized, oh, wait, these aren't the same Bruins that, you know, it was Bruce Cassidy a couple years ago. Remember when the Bruins and the Jets played in Winnipeg and Bruce Cassidy, you know, commented on just how easy it was to get into the high danger zone against the Jets? They were realizing that this isn't that Jets team anymore, that this Jets team that the Bruins got beat up by tonight is just is physical and defensively sound and really controls the flow of the game. And by the time the third period happened, they were f full of praise for the Winnipeg Jets and talking about how big of a problem they're going to be uh, in the Western Conference and for all teams in the league for the remainder of the year. So it was sort of interesting as the first, second, and third periods went on, how the, the tone of the of the Ness and broadcasters changed towards the Jets. Yeah, and, and it's like you said earlier, right? Like, no one should be surprised you know, how the Jets played, maybe, you know, you're more surprised at how poorly the Bruins played at times. And you could look at it that, like, you know, that was the Jets shutting them down. We just had the comment there. Not sure if you saw uh, uh, Biz Nasty also had a comment about, you know, the Jets could possibly win the cup this year. Obviously, you know, we're only a game 31 or 32 here. So, you know, we're not going to get that far ahead of ourselves. But yeah, that style that the Jets are playing is reminiscent of, 2018 when yeah. they had the ability to shut teams down they had four good scoring lines just like they have now uh you know the the Shifley Ehlers Velarde line like they're just having fun out there like they're they they're they're just enjoying what they're doing like they're just le loving being professional hockey players and it helps when you score every single night right um but <laughs> yeah, I does. mean look Nino Niederreiter was was awesome tonight uh Cole Perfetti was great tonight I really like 
you know, we were very critical of Neil Pionk last year. That was arguably his worst year as a Jet. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I thought, you know, Brendan Dillon and Neil Pionk were fantastic. I thought Josh Morrissey and Dylan DeMello were really good. And I thought the third pair, you know, and speaking of, of Nate Schmidt, obviously he gets the the big assist um, on Nito Niederreiter's first goal. Yeah. Like for a guy that was a regular, not a regular healthy scratch, but he was a healthy scratch, what, four games in a row there? Yeah. And that's not something that he's used to, right? Like he's used to being, you know, a steady top six defenseman. So I thought that was really nice to see, you know, Schmitty get, um, you know, a big assist and, and kind of redeem himself because it's been a bit of a rough start to the year for him. Well, you know, I said it on uh, on Wednesday's postgame show that I thought Nate Schmidt is really since the, you know, because remember, there was the healthy scratch earlier in the year after he had missed sort of a lot of training camp and then he came back and then he got healthy scratched again for those three or four games that you mentioned. I think he's really sort of, since that second healthy scratch or that second set of healthy scratches, I think he's really sort of found his game again. And right now there's, I mean, you know, look, there's no question that he's a better option than Logan Stanley. And he's, he's, he's not going to be, you know what he's not going to be worth his contract anymore i think that unfortunately or for better or worse he you know that contract is, is not going to age great and it's going to continue not to age great but if he can play like he's been playing the last couple of games the jets pardon me i had to sneeze there the jets are going to be, thank you the jets are going to be in an okay position you know the, he, he he's been playing with some more confidence since that last stretch of healthy scratches and i think you saw that again tonight i mean look that is you know, that was a beautiful play. It was a, you know, a beautiful setup to, to, to put the puck, you know, towards Nino Niederreiter. And it wasn't exactly on his, on his stick, but it was close enough that Niederreiter was able to do something with it. And we'll get into that when we get the recap going in a couple minutes here. But look, top to bottom, this Jets team, you, they, you know, there's no warts. There's no obvious warts right now. There's no obvious, you know, areas of concern. You know, can they be better? Yeah, because all people can be better, and can all can a team can the team be improved upon? Yes, because all teams can be improved upon, especially but, the special teams, right? Well, like sure. obviously tonight, uh, what the power play was good, but I mean that's one area where you would say the Jets aren't, you know, let's say a top five or even top right. ten team in the league. Right. But the fact is, they're the best team in the league right now at even strength. Right. And the majority of the games are played at even strength, as we always talk about. Right. So special teams is the obvious one. But yeah, sure, Drew. I mean, like, you know, no team is is perfect. Even the Bruins of last year that had 126 points, they weren't perfect. No. So there's always, you know, areas to improve. But the Jets right now are beating some of the best teams in the league. We talked about it. L.A., mm -hmm. Colorado, Boston, obviously Dallas and Vegas. It's been rightly pointed out. The Jets have lost four of their games yeah. against those teams. And, you know, they haven't played every single good team in the league. But, I mean, you know, I, I think at this point, at the very least, you have to say that the Jets are an upper echelon team, arguably a, a top five team in the league, right? And they're really silencing a lot of critics of the Jets that thought maybe, you know, we were going to see a, a similar kind of downfall that we saw last year. And that downfall did start around this time last year. Right. Um, but we've talked about it. There. I mean, look, the Jets could go on a losing streak at any point. I mean, that that could happen in any sport. But I just don't feel that we're going to see the type of collapse that we saw last year just based on how different the, the makeup of this team is. 
the, how different it is and, and, and the style of play they, that, they, that they demonstrate night in and night out and how repeatable it is. It's not, you know, one-offs. It's not, you know, hope and pray that your goaltender makes 50 saves. This was, I mean, look, the shots on goal, I mean, they ended the, the game with the shots on goal being 33-25 in favor of the Jets, but that's misleading. I mean, how many of those shots for Boston came, I mean, I'll tell you exactly how many of them. They got 12 shots. So after two periods, after 40 minutes, the Bruins had 13 shots on goal. So, you know, half the Bruins shots in this game came when the game was basically over, when the game was out of hand, when it's meaningless. I mean, I, and I know shots on goal aren't, aren't you know, necessarily uh, the, the, the most reflective stat, but when you can hold Boston to 13 shots on goal through 40 minutes, and, 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 you know, you're doing something. You, it speaks to just how difficult this Jets team has become to play against, how they are managing just to demoralize their opponents. And Boston, to me, looked like a demoralized team, right. particularly in that, you know, look, it's 3 nothing after 40 minutes. So the Jets are playing great hockey, no question about it. But then to come out, and for the Jets to make it 4 nothing, a minute 25 into the third period tells me that the Bruins just wanted nothing to do with that third period. They didn't have any pushback, and nor did they have any you know attempt at any pushback. Meanwhile, the Jets start the third period by further stepping on their opponent's throat, like they did against Detroit. And that's the sign of a team that is... Uh, you know, playing with a, a tremendously high degree of confidence is they're like, we're not satisfied. It's three, nothing after 40. Yeah. We're in a good position. Yeah. We haven't given up, you know, more than three goals in now 22 straight games, which ties the NHL record with the Tampa Bay lightning from a few years back, but they weren't satisfied being up three, nothing. And they decided to make it four, nothing just that quickly. That to me is a sign of a, of a, just a team that is dialed in and, exactly focused on point uh you know that the, like the jets have been this month yeah and we've got the comment up from t Pauly, right like they're just smothering teams he talked about it on the four check the speed the jets just didn't give the bruins a lot of space for the majority of the night and you know it's hard for the bruins when whenever you know some of the bruins talented players like david pasternak brad marchand you know, Charlie Coyle, Pavel Zaka, whoever, you know, you want to pick Jake DeBrusque. Mm -hmm. Like, it just seemed like every time the puck was on the stick, there was either a Jets defenseman who was there to, to knock it off their stick, or there was a forward coming back on the back mm -hmm. check to take it away. Like, it, the the Jets just played a smothering. That's why T. Conopoli, I love that word. Uh, you know, we talked about it. Uh, I don't know if it was against Colorado or if which game it was. We were kind of calling them the killer bees. And the style they're playing really does remind me a lot of that 2018 Vegas team, or it, you know, it resembles the Dallas stars. Like I saw a comment earlier, I think we might've put it up, um, you know, saying that the jets, you know, basically beat the Bruins at their own game. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I agree with you. They are playing with a certain confidence. You've called it swagger a few times, Drew. I think they are playing with, you know, something that we haven't seen in you know at least you know three or four years here like you know 2018 is the barometer right like everybody goes back to 2018 uh and you want to compare teams right i don't think it's fair to compare you know uh teams from five years apart but if you want to just compare the success that team i think had a you know 112 points something like that sure. 114 points well, i don't know if this year's know. jets team will get there but i mean i think they have a shot you know getting close to 110 the way things are going they're certainly not going to be, uh, you know, in the high 90s like a lot of people were, were predicting, myself included. Uh, but, you know, these are the types of games. And, you know, you mentioned 
you know, the the three nothing goal, obviously, you know, as you mentioned, we'll get into that in the in the Betway game recap. But you know, in the third period, you know, even even with a three goal lead, I mean, I thought the game was over after Nino Niederreiter scored on the power play, but the fact that the Jets didn't take the foot off the gas. And, you know, Adam Lowry obviously had a, a phenomenal game. But scoring that early goal in the third period, you that was the the goal that really sealed the deal. I mean, mm-hmm. like I said, the Niederreiter goal was your your insurance goal. But, you know, they didn't sit back. And they play a very similar game from period to period. And that has been the criticism. Look, we've talked about this so many times, Drew. The Jets scoring goals has never been the problem. They've had elite goaltending for a long time. They've had you know, pretty solid defense, maybe not as solid as, you know, the group with Truba, Myers and Bufflin and et cetera uh, from 2018. But, you know, the, the problem with the Jets was the inconsistency and it's a right. cliche word, but it was, it was game to game, period to period. Sometimes the Jets would look great. Sometimes they wouldn't look that good. And they've had, you know, some, some poor periods and some poor games. I mean, the game against Montreal, let's not forget that was the only game. That's the only thing that prevented this from being a perfect four and O homestand. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think what you're seeing is just a tenacious jets team that is all on the same page, playing very well in their structure, playing very well defensively, and they're beating really good teams. The cream of the crop. When you're talking about the avalanche and the Bruins, like when you hear about which teams are the, you know, the elite, that's who you hear about in addition to the the stars and the golden knights who we talked about those are the only teams really that the good teams the jets haven't beat this year you're absolutely right and so they can they know they know who the teams are that they haven't won against and they'll get their opportunities against those teams when the schedule allows for it but in the meantime they're beating all these other really good teams and sort of affirming themselves or reminding everybody or really you know saying to the entire hockey world hey look over here this isn't a fluke we're not the jets that you know have been have left a lot to be desired for the last number of years we're a dominant team and they, you should be talking more about us and putting more respect well, on our name and that's what you're going to see i think over the next week or so in Uh, in toronto's defense i mean they're still trying to figure out how they let in nine goals yesterday they're still (laughs) they're still trying to figure out you know Ilya samsonov's psychology because i don't know if i'm the only person but i'm starting to see a brisgalov type of thing happening with with samsonov i don't know what's going like i don't know i know this isn't leaf's lunch but uh no i'm obviously joking but i i do think to your point drew people around the nhl Look, Biz Nasty is talking about the the Jets, so obviously, you know, they're doing something right. Yeah, exactly right. So why don't we get into tonight's game and break it down on the goal-by-goal recap like we do all the time here on the Illegal Curve post-game show. We say good evening to everybody joining us. Uh, I am your host, Drew Mandel. Ezra Ginsberg is with me as well. Happy Festivus to be Henderson as well. Well, Festivus isn't until the 23rd, if I'm not mistaken. So tomorrow, or in about 50 minutes' time in the Eastern time zone where I am, it will be Festivus. But you can always celebrate Festivus a little bit ahead of time. So we do. Sure, are you going to get the, the crawl, the uh, pole out of the crawl space? Of course, we're going to get. We're going to gather the family around the pole, and we're going to share the grievances like we always do. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing that we do here. Um, but uh, I got a lot of grievances with you, Ginsburg. Don't 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 be kidding yourself. <laughs> yeah, we could do a full hour show just on your grievances with me. <laughs> oh yeah, an hour. Twenty years kidding? worth. Now, that we'd be shortening the version if, if I did it only an hour. Uh, but this is the Illegal Curve post game show. Drew Mandel, Ezra Ginsburg, uh, with you on this uh, Friday night, talking about the Jets' dominant victory over the Boston Bruins. If you haven't already done so, smash the like button and subscribe to the YouTube channel. We do this, like I said, 
each and every Winnipeg Jets game after which. So the next one will be uh, next Wednesday uh, when the Jets resume their schedule after the Christmas break when they head to Chicago to face uh, the, the Chicago Bedards, uh, uh, you know, because <laughs> that's really the only player on that team that matters. But the Jets will look to keep things rolling the uh, next Wednesday. Kurashevs. Yeah, there you go. The Chicago Courage have not quite as uh, uh, as name value as the Chicago Bedards. But nonetheless, let's get into the game recap. It's brought to you by our friends at Betway. The Betway Game Recap. Big thanks to our friends at Bethway, the most trusted voice in sports betting, both in Canada and all around the world. I hope if you place a wager tonight on the Winnipeg Jets, you did give the goal and a half. I'm not even sure what the line was, but Bethway is the sports betting app that puts you, the customer, at the forefront with a large selection of betting options and sports as well as strong promotions and fair odds. What are you waiting for? Head on over to Bethway and bet your way. Most importantly, of course, please play responsibly. That's what our friends at Bethway want to remind you first and foremost uh the jets opened the scoring they thought they opened it a little bit earlier the good start to the game for the jets this is what we're talking about as you didn't know how they were going to start to come out they had the good win against detroit on wednesday they came out flying and they got a puck in the net earlier in the game unfortunately it didn't count that's josh morrissey it was disallowed for a kicking the puck in the goal violation uh the right call on that one i would suggest uh, by my opinion and so the jets didn't get that early one nothing lead but they they did get the one nothing lead late in the first period. Morrissey, this time it counted. Josh Morrissey, his sixth of the season, assisted Gabe Velarde and Mark Shifley. Uh, you know, it starts with, and it starts in, in the Jets zone. Charlie McAvoy uh, heads into the Jets zone. You know, a bit of a dangerous looking rush, and he and he feeds the pass across, but it was, you know, it was a like a waist high pass. It wasn't on the ice or anything. So it ricochets around the boards, rings around the boards, and Shifley picks it up, and it's a two on one for the Jets. Shifley, and then to Velarde. Velarde is stopped, but Josh Morrissey is the trailer on the play, and he gathers up some of the garbage and he deposits the rebound uh, past uh, Jeremy Swayman, and the Jets have the one nothing lead with uh hang on let me look at my second screen here which is my cell phone with eight seconds to go in the first period so uh important for the jets again to get a late goal to make them feel good after 20 minutes yeah absolutely and you you mentioned you know uh marshawn drops the pass to charlie mcavoy and that pass that you mentioned is in the air it's just it to me that was just like watching that live it was like what is mcavoy doing because he's deep and now he puts it, it was almost a three-on-one Right. And what I love about this goal is Shifley waits to the exact perfect second. Um, I think who was who was uh who's the other defenseman there, Drew with McAvoy? Who's his partner? Is it Lorai? I didn't really know a lot yeah, of my the, so the Mason. Bruins were with were, were, were are you know a little bit banged up on the back end. They were without Matt Grizzlechick in yeah. tonight's game, and they've been, been without Derek Forbert uh for a while. So it's not a who's who uh, of defenders. It is Mason Lowry is is McAvoy's partner. You're right about that. Yeah, sorry, it was actually it, that's his partner, but it was Lindholm that was the defenseman back on the the two on one right. So it was uh it was Shifley and Velarde. So uh. Lindholm is back covering on the two-on-one, and Shifley just waits, and I like how he just waited that extra kind of second, put it on a Velarde stick, and obviously Velarde puts it on net, and kind of Swayman is turning turned around there, mm-hmm. and Morrissey just comes in and, you know, buries the garbage. But I loved Shifley's patience there. Love that, you know, Velarde put the puck on net. Um, but, yeah, it all started off with just a, a ill-timed pass by Charlie McAvoy 
because he puts himself completely out of the play. Right. And the Jets, again, great transition. And they were, you know, very good off of the rush today, pushing, pushing, uh, got to be careful with what I say there, pushing <laughs> the Boston Bruins defenseman back. But yeah, I really like Shifley's patience there. And obviously, you know, Josh Morrissey makes up for the uh, disallowed goal from ear- earlier, as you mentioned. Yeah, you know, the, the he's got to be have more puck awareness, McAvoy, in that instance. You can't miss wide on that play because as soon as you miss wide, it's coming right back outside. So, I mean, you, you have to get that puck at the very least uh, on, on net or in, in a position where it's not just going to ring around the boards. And the Jets take full advantage of that. And, you know, to get a goal with eight seconds to go in a period that you've largely controlled, uh, and the Bruins would probably have been happy to leave that first period only, you know, you know tied 0-0 as the Jets controlled uh, the bulk of that first period, they had 68% of, of possession uh, in that first period. They had 6-3, the high danger chances uh, in that period. And then the Jets, you know, so Boston's about eight seconds away from, from getting getting out of it without having to, uh, without being down anything. And instead, the Jets get the one nothing lead. So that's a, certainly a, a boon for the Winnipeg Jets. And that's where they're at uh, after uh, after 20 minutes. Uh, you know, the second period starts and both teams take, you know, relatively early penalties and the special teams, of course, have been a topic of conversation. You know, Neil Pionk takes a tripping penalty with three minutes, three minutes and 16 seconds into the second period. And then Parker uh, Witherspoon uh, takes a holding penalty at the 749 mark uh, of the second period. And uh, really nothing happened for either team on on their special teams on uh, on these instances uh, neither team really did much uh, with their power play opportunities but then the jets uh you know make it two nothing uh, and this comes at the sorry i'm just bouncing between screens and bouncing between devices here uh, 11 17 was velarde's goal the 11 17 mark of the second period it's gabe velarde his seventh assist to nikolai ehlers and mark shifley and of course it's those three guys because you know they've just been i mean it's it's hard to describe it's getting we're, we're running out of words running out of hyperbole for how good that line has been uh as of late but they were just an, again another tremendous performance by them tonight uh certainly been the best line in hockey since they've been put together i mean the numbers whether you believe in the in the new stats or the fancy stats whatever one you subscribe to the numbers basically bear that out with with not a lot of argument can be made to that effect uh and this one it's a clean zone entry by mark shifley and you know he's He's been tremendous, and you know it starts deep. In it starts at the Jets' own blue line, so it starts again. You know, in the defensive zone, that's where the play begins for the Winnipeg Jets. Mark Shifley enters the Bruins' zone, clean zone entry, cuts into the middle. You know, he sends the puck, you know, to Nikolai Ehlers in the corner, and this doesn't look like it's going to be a threatening play, but Ehlers sort of throws it on net, and it hits Brandon Carlo, who's defending there. He's sort of defending Gabe Velarde, uh, and it just sort of drops at at Velarde's skates, and he, you know, knocks the loose puck past. Wayman to give the Jets the two nothing lead, you know, relatively early into the second period. As he, yeah, you know, you mentioned Shifley's clean zone entry. Like, yeah, he to me, he's just absolutely carving up the Bruins zone there, pushing the defenseman back. Right, it was Hampus Lindholm. We talked about the second pair is Hampus Lindholm and and Brandon Carlo. So Shifley to me deserves a lot of credit and respect for the work that he does. And and you know, again. You know, the play starts, as you mentioned, Jets in their own zone. Hellebuck moves the puck up. Forget who the defenseman was, but Shifley deserves a ton of credit for the space that he gave his teammates there. But they get lucky. Like, come on here. Like, yeah, but like, you know, this goes off of Brent. They get rewarded for going hard to the net. Exactly. Like luck. and, And that's why, you know, luck is a funny thing because 
you know, the Jets sometimes don't get those bounces and they got the bounce like Brandon Carlo, good, solid defensive defenseman, you know, but it gets caught up in his skates and, you know, obviously the Jets are going to take, you know, what they get here and, you know, Ehlers, you know, it's, it's just smart of him to put the puck on the net, but Velarde again, when mm-hmm. you're a big guy, you go to the net, you take up space, you cause problems and, you know, he gets rewarded there, but, you know, uh, definitely a lucky bounce there. But to me, you know, everything about Shifley, you know, the speed that he he comes into the zone with, the mm-hmm. space that he creates for himself, um, that's what stood out to me on that goal. And, you know, that's the thing about that line. That line, you know, really can do it all. They've got speed, they've got shooters, they've got playmakers. And, it, and it, when it comes to Velarde, they've got that kind of power forward, you know, element. But definitely, you know, kind of, un- you, f- you kind of feel bad for Brandon Carlo. You know, he looks down and it's in his skates and it just, you know, he looks behind him and, you know, yeah. it's in the back of the net. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, Carlo does, you know, most, most, most things right on this one, you know, Velarde does things right and going hard to the net and, you know, Mark Shifley and you're right as you know, you, you spoke, you spoke saying his praises just there. He's a player that looks right now to be in complete control of his game. You know, I think it's the best, I think it's the best hockey he's ever played. A yeah. lot of people point to 2018, especially in that second round against Nashville. Right. And let, let's be honest. I mean, what did he have seven goals or something in that series? Maybe mm-hmm. eight goals. I know a lot of them were on the road. Shifley was great in 2018, and he's had a fantastic NHL career. These first 31 games of the NHL season, and people can, you know, say that I'm crazy here, but this is argue. This for me is the best hockey Shifley has played, and that obviously, you know, benefits the Jets greatly, and that's why they're first in the Central. Yeah, and he just at both ends of the ice, he's in control. And he's he's just so within himself in how he's playing. There's no there's no frantic nature to his game. It's just a player who, when he's got, it's almost like the game is too slow for him right now. And when the you know that the game slows down, I mean, he's just you know he entered the zone on this play, and you can just sort of see he's you know he he's surveying his scene. He's surveying the circumstances around him. He's sur- surveying the area and the opponent, and then he's making the right decisions. And when you make the right decisions you're often going to get rewarded. And I mean, you know, he he's just right now, he's just uh, certainly driving one of the key drivers of the Winnipeg Jets. And really more people around the league should be paying attention to him. He, he's got the reputation of being an elite goal scorer, especially after last year when he set a career high. But the way he's controlling the play at both ends of the ice, by and large, is remarkable, especially for a guy who there were a lot of question marks uh, surrounding him, you know, at the end of last year and the last couple of years about his uh, his give a damn level. Itself. Sure. And and Dave M has pointed this out. Obviously, you know, Dave M is in Hawaii now or he's uh, on a plane on the way to Hawaii. I think you told me he's not going to get in uh, for a few more hours. Right. But, you know, not having to worry about a contract Mm-hmm. I think it's something that can't be, you know, understated, right? And and now Shifley has the contract. He doesn't have to worry about that. And also there was a lot of other things going on, you know, with the Jets the last couple of years, but he really just seems like a guy who to me is just enjoying playing hockey. Like he's just, and he's always enjoyed hockey, but you know what I mean? The Jets are winning, that helps. But right. he just seems like a guy who just like his body language on the ice last year, he seemed to get you know frustrated more when things weren't going his way. So sure, yeah, it's, everybody it's, remembers the game in Carolina where where he got benched and he didn't speak to the media, and it was you know that was maybe a low point, uh, you know, a, 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 of his experience as a member of the Winnipeg Jets. And it's been you know it hasn't been altogether that many games since then, but it seems like a completely different player, and he's completely flushed. 
the the negativity and the and the and the negative reaction of what occurred you know that that many games ago and this is a whole new player and the jets are certainly reaping the rewards of that since then there mr ginsburg I like, sorry, yes, I, I agree. And I like Thomas's comment. He's just calling the cup win right now, December 22nd. <laughs> He's seen I'm enough. Not, not He's sure seen that... enough from the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah. He's calling a Stanley Cup win. I mean, that could be a Stanley Cup final preview. I mean, there could be a lot of teams that could meet in the Stanley Cup. But, I mean, the Bruins are one of the best teams in the East. And I think we can safely say the Jets are one of the best teams in the West. But, I mean, yeah. if the Jets play the way they did tonight and the Bruins play the way they did tonight, that wouldn't be a very long series because, I mean, there. how many players on the Bruins really look dangerous, right? Like, to me, it was David Pasternak. I thought Charlie Coyle had a, a couple good scoring chances early in the game. Um, Brad Marchand certainly did not have one of his best games. But again, give the Jets credit for shutting them down, whether that was Josh Morrissey and Dylan DeMello out there or if it was Neil Pionk. Um, and I, I noted at least three plays where Neil Pionk just made a good play on, on Marchand. And again, that smothering defense is just frustrating teams. And, and that's why the Jets are, what, second in the NHL in goals against. Yeah, well, the, entering tonight's game, the Bruins, uh, the Jets had given up 45 goals at five on five, and the Bruins had given, given up 46. So you look at those numbers tonight. Now the gap has even increased. The Jets have given up, what, I guess it's 46 goals at five on five. Now and the Bruins have given up uh, 49 after tonight's game. I mean, this the Jets, I mean, again, <laughs> it's hard to, for us to really wrap our brains around this. And I know we're, we, we've talked about this and maybe a little bit ad nauseum, but this is a Jets team that, that gave up five on five goals by the dozen you know yep. you know it didn't take a lot for the jets to give up five on five goals and they've given up a grand total of 32 pardon me they've given up a grand total of 46 five on five goals in 32 games i mean you win a hell of a lot of hockey games when you give up less than two five on five goals a game it's that uh, it's you, sustainable right like last year was not sustainable the last right. three years have not been sustainable they were way too reliant on Connor Hellebuck. And that is not the case at all this year. Like, it just isn't. The Jets are winning games because, look, the Jets outplayed the Bruins, period. Yeah. Post-game show's over, right? Like, that's all we have to say, right? Like, the Jets were just the better team. They outskated the Bruins. They were better on special teams. They were the more physical team. They dictated the pace of play. Like, anything that you want to say here. Yeah. The Jets were better than the Bruins tonight. I'm not saying that, you know, if, if they played again tomorrow or or, you know, two days from now or a week from now, I'm not saying that the Bruins, you know, can't beat the Jets. That's not what at all what I'm saying. But the Jets, they didn't win this game on the back of Connor Hellebuck's goaltending. They won this game because they were the better team. Look, the Jets used to give up 13 shots in 10 minutes, you know, on a regular basis. They gave up 13 shots to the Bruins in 40 minutes in tonight's game. And so, yeah, it was pretty easy for Connor Hellebuck in, in, in tonight's game. He made the saves he needed to make, but much like, you know, the last number of games, there haven't been that many grade A opportunities again, against that he, that he's had to stand on his head about. Uh, so it's, it's two nothing for the Jets at this point in time. Uh, they have an opportunity to make it three nothing. And this is really the, you know, Mark Shifley. So with uh, who's in the box here. So the Bruins are, are, take a too many men on the ice penalty they you know uh after they were sort of had a had the puck in the jet zone and had an opportunity to maybe have some zone time they somehow screw it up and they take a too many men on the ice penalty Just before jets... we're, before we get into the the penalty shot drew yeah. can we agree that was like maybe the worst line change we've ever seen like the one that led to the too many i think it was danton heinen they had, had like the seven guys the on the ice zone. for a while there but it was it was danton heinen and there were like three jets back 
and he's like looking around and there's nobody there and then like seven bruins step on the ice <laughs> like it was just a horrible line change it just was wanted a bad, to get that in there it certainly was a bad line change which led to the jets uh, getting a getting a power play for too many men on the ice and they had set up they set up in the bruin zone and they contr- you know had some good zone time better zone time than the first penalty uh and then it ends up with parker witherspoon you know rather than just sort of knocking the puck out of the crease he catches it and throws the puck well that's a penalty shot because it happens in the crease so mark shifley gets takes the penalty shot for the jets uh you know instead of it being a five on three this ended up being with a penalty shot uh and mark shifley gets stopped by jeremy swayman okay you're thinking okay you know maybe you know nice save by swayman by the way drew someone earlier was asking if that would have been a power play goal the penalty shot goal i don't think it would be well, I mean, that's... I'd have to check, but I don't think you can... I don't think a penalty shot goal would be considered a power play goal. I could be wrong. Chat, prove me wrong. Well, you know, it's interesting. We so have I'm any officials at... watching. We we have almost 500 people. By the way, we should have more likes. We have almost 500 people watching live here on a Friday night. Hello to everybody that's joining us here for the Jets Bruins postgame show. Do we have any officials in the chat? Because... Uh, a hockey Manitoba official might know the answer to that question. Well, here's what I'm going to tell you. So I'm looking at the game summary, which you can get on NHL.com. And, you know, so they list when anytime there's a penalty shot, uh, they list it on the game summary, whether or not it's a goal or not. This one, it says, uh, it, it says even, it says penalty shot and it says even strength or EV, which would mean even strength. So maybe you're right that it wouldn't have counted as a power play penalty shot because that's sort of a, this is really into a gray area that, that we're delving deep into. So we'll let an official, we'll ask our friends at scouting the refs, uh, you know, how how, the, how that would have been scored well, on the ice. But it's like you said though, Drew, like when it's a penalty shot, how could it be a power play? Because right. there's nobody else on the ice, right? Like I realized that at the time it was a power play. Right. But again, I don't know. We'll see. In any event, Mark Tikona Pauly is saying it's not a power play goal, and Tikona Pauly is much smarter than both of us combined, Drew. <laughs> no question about that. Uh, in any event, Mark Shifley is stopped by Jeremy Swayman, but the Jets are still remain on the power play because this is the power play uh, that they got for the too many men on the ice penalty. So Shifley is stopped at the 17 16 mark, uh, and then, you know, it, with five seconds to go uh, in the penalty, the one for the too many men, Nino Niederreiter gets his ninth of the so this one's for sure a power play goal no question about it Nino Niederreiter his ninth of the year assist to Nate Schmidt and Neil Pionk and we we sang the praises of Nate Schmidt earlier uh during the post game show this is a nice play by him so this is this is the second power play unit on the ice and he's got the puck uh, you know towards the top of the blue line but a little bit inside the blue line and he sort of pump fakes he he, he looks like he's going to tee it up instead he gives himself a little more time a little more space and he opens up some gaps for the Jets, and he is able to find Niederreiter with the pass, and it's a bit into Niederreiter's skates, but he's got so much time and space there, Niederreiter does, nobody's near him, that he's able to gather the puck up and just tuck it behind Jeremy Swayman into the wide-open net, and you could see how the, the the pump fake by Nate Schmidt really created that gap and how it opened up that lane for the Jets, and as a result, they get the power play goal this uh, with two minutes and 19 seconds to go uh, in the in the second period, and it's a 3 nothing lead for the Winnipeg Jets, Ezzy. Yeah, I, I think Dave Manouk might have popped in to the, the post-game show. I'm not sure what's going on here. You saw that, Drew, so I'm not sure if Dave is going to be joining us from the plane. Yeah, it or... says he's not real. He's sending, he's messaging us in the private chat saying he's not really here, so I'm not sure what that's oh. all about, but uh, in any okay. event. Well, Dave M. is omnipresent, so uh, even, even if he's on a plane to Hawaii, 
he can still, I guess, be on the post-game show. But um, look, I mean, first off, one thing that stood out to me is Cole Perfetti got the puck to, to Nino Niederreiter, who was to the left of Swayman, right? And he went between the legs uh, to do a between-the-legs pass to Neil Pionk. And I remember thinking to myself, like, what's Niederreiter doing there? Like, that's too fancy, up up to nothing. But you talked about Nate Schmidt's patience here. Mm-hmm. Like, and I mentioned this, uh, you know, 20 minutes ago or whatever, you know, towards the beginning of the show. Like, I just love the fact that, you know, Mark Shifley gets stopped on the penalty shot. The Jets put their second power play unit out there. And Nate Schmidt is a key primary, uh, you know, a primary assist, but, you know, a primary reason uh, you know, why this goal is scored. Just a great pass to to Nino Niederreiter, and obviously mm-hmm. he controls it in front of the net and makes no no mistake about it and beats uh, Jeremy Swayman. So obviously, you know, if you're looking for a turning point, this is a turning point in the game, right? Late Actually. in the second period, you know, mm-hmm. they don't score on a, a, a penalty shot. And I just like how Niederreiter, the, the pass is a little bit in his skates, but he still controls it. But just love the patience uh, by Nate Schmidt and the pass to to uh, Niederreiter. And, and just forgetting about the goal for a second, again, going back to what I said, Schmidt's one of my favorite guys on the team because I do think he's one of those quote-unquote glue guys. Mm-hmm. Like, remember when Schmidt was acquired by the Jets? Everybody talked about how, you know, great of a personality he, he was. People obviously still do talk about that, but you just love to see that for a guy who was criticized heavily earlier in the season, who's healthy scratched, and now he picks up a big assist on, on the Jets' third goal. So great to see for uh, Nate Schmidt, a guy that it's very hard not to like. Yeah, exactly right. He certainly keeps things loose in a dressing room that has often been considered to be, you know, maybe too tight. Probably not this year. Uh, the Jets, you know, winning winning is the best deodorant, as the as the old expression goes. And the Jets are certainly doing more than their share of winning. Three nothing uh, after forty minutes. I use Axe spray. Gets. That's good to know. I'm, yeah. I'm thrilled that you're a teenage yeah. boy. Naomi doesn't like it. Yeah, well, that's, you know, usually I think it's that like high school boys is yeah. what they're using for the I most feel part. Like, but... Drew, you're like a green speed stick guy. I'm not. You're completely wrong on that front. Okay. And really, I don't think anybody cares about. Arm and Hammer? Anti... No, I, nobody cares about the different antiperspirant that I use. I can assure you of that. I uh, use I antiperspirant, not deodorant. Well, you know, deodorant whatever... doesn't do the job for me. Whatever works, whatever works for you, my friend. That we're gonna <laughs> leave it. At, we'll leave it at that on that one. So three nothing for the Jets after forty minutes. Certainly a demoralizing goal uh, for the Bruins to give up after they make the save on the on the penalty shot. And then, as I said, talked about earlier, you know, how is the third period going to start? This is the Boston Bruins, a team filled with pride you know a, a team that you know usually wins you know by and large this is what they're i think their sixth regulation time defeat all season long so this is a team that's not used to losing and a team that's certainly not used to being dominated how are they going to respond after 40 minutes well i think we got our answer very early on in the third period 125 into the third and this was sort of embarrassingly bad defense adam lowry gets his sixth of the year assist to mason appleton and nino niederreiter and, and appleton comes in it's a clean zone entry uh, for for Mason Appleton, and, and he's just you know he comes in and he and he takes a shot on Swayman and he gets his own rebound. So obviously things have gone poorly for the Bruins defensively on this one already. He gets his own rebound and he just feeds it to Adam Lowry who's standing just next to the blue paint, and he's got you know who like I wrote it down the defenseman uh, Kevin Shattenkirk and Charlie McAvoy are just standing on the wrong side of him. And it's like they had no interest in, in in getting into a body battle with Adam Lowry. They both just sort of are are, are passive beyond belief on this one. And 
Appleton's like, okay, here you go, Adam, and just sort of slides it over to Adam Lowry, who tucks it into the wide open net. I mean, McAvoy and, and Shattenkirk played like played that one like two guys who had no interest in playing defense on that play. Absolutely. That was just the Jets' third line outworking the Bruins' defenseman, right? Like, that's all that was. And it was, again, a quick transition out of the Jet zone. And obviously, Mason Appleton, you know, makes a nice play. And, you know, Swayman kicks out a juicy rebound yeah. back to back to uh, Appleton. Appleton. But you're right. I mean, look, the Adam Lowry's a big man. We know that. He's hard to move off the puck. Um but the Bruins just their positioning's not right to to make a play on on Lowry. So you're right. It was an easy goal. So a combination of Swayman giving up a juicy rebound to to Appleton and then Lowry just out muscling the Bruins defenseman, right? Like that's that's all that was. That's just a that is a blue collar goal. That's what sure. that is. That's all that is. And again, you know, the Niederreiter goal to make it three nothing for me, that was the end of the game. Like the way the Jets played defensively, we know Hellebuck rarely allows more than a couple of goals. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're, and then four, you're down four, nothing at that point, it, it just got embarrassing for the Bruins. But again, the jets re- have been rewarded, not just this game, but, but against the avalanche and their two wins and against the Kings, like they're getting rewarded for playing the right way. And you hear coaches talk about that all the time, but they've been playing such structured, you know, solid defensive hockey um that you know they're they're starting to get rewarded and yeah the, the Bruins at that point they just look like a defeated group there just yeah. was no pushback in that in that third period obviously you know they got the one goal but that one goal was you know as as meaningless, meaningless. as they get yeah it's, it, it, look you, you talk about how well Connor Hellebuck's been playing and how well the Jets have been playing look Connor Hellebuck one two three four seven games in the month of December goals against average of two and a save percentage of 931 I mean, you know, when you combine that with the Jets' defensive performance, well, like Twisted Wolf is saying, the streak lives on. The Jets twenty-two. What, I, I think games. it's a record now, right? The Jets tied have the, the record. record tied oh. tied it with Tampa okay. Bay Lightning, so, so the, they'll so have a chance on the well, on next it, Wednesday against Chicago. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, Connor Bedard himself could 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 take over a game. He's that good that early in his career. But uh, you know, the Jets certainly have a golden opportunity as long as they don't give up more than three goals against the Blackhawks on Wednesday night to set the new NHL record of twenty three straight games having not allowed more than three goals. And, and look, Connor Hellebuck has just been absolutely dialed in. But the team in front of him is also making it easy on him. So when you combine, you know, you combine Connor Hellebuck you know with with a good defense you know just how dangerous the winnipeg jets are going to be and that's what you're seeing you're seeing the commitment to team defense and you're seeing connor hellebuck just really have many easy victories as of late and those are uh, that's a recipe for success for any team uh the jets uh, the like i said the the bruins make it 4-1 morgan baron uh fails to clear the puck uh brandon carlo just throws it on net it looks like it deflects off of brendan Dillon's stick and that's yeah. how connor hellebuck doesn't have the shutout in tonight's game but the jets make it 5-1 uh late another power play goal this one coming let me just look it up here at the uh, 1941 mark so with 19 seconds to go in the game and because i haven't already done so we'll call this the our seagram shot of the game the seagram shot of the game Big thanks to our friends at Seagram's for their continued support of the Illegal Curve post-game show. Whatever you are drinking uh, on this uh, Friday night, whatever Seagram's product you are drinking, 
please drink it responsibly right around this holiday season. I know everyone enjoys spending time with uh, with uh, loved ones and family and maybe, you know, tipping a few back. Do so responsibly. That's what our friends at Seagram's would remind you to do. Fireball, Seagram's whiskey, whatever it might be. Be sure that you enjoy that, your beverage of choice responsibly. Uh, it's Nina, Nina Ryder. He gets his 10th of the season, his uh, second of the game, assist to Cole Perfetti. It's a power play goal. Uh, the Bruins just don't cover him. He's just in the slot. He's all alone. Perfetti slides the puck over to him and Niederreiter on and off his stick real quick. And it's just really the icing on the cake, the cherry on top of the ice cream sundae, whatever dessert-related analogy you want to use. It makes it fine. talking about those desserts, Drew. You're getting me excited. Well, you know what, as he there's, I was, um, as everyone knows, I'm in Kentucky broadcasting tonight. Uh, we're here for the holidays, and my wife and I took the kids out, and we went to a reindeer farm earlier. For, I spent most of the day there uh, in western Kentucky, and I came home, and there's a, a pecan pie, a pecan pie, sitting on the counter Ooh. over there. And I know it's for, uh, I know it's for the, you know, the Christmas dinner or whatever coming up in a couple of days. But the fact that there's a pie like within my eye, my, my eyesight that I'm not allowed to to have, this is really testing me. I feel like this is some sort of biblical test. Like is, it, is it on a, is it on a ledge? Like it, is you know, it elevated? It, 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 as well yeah it's on the it's on the counter so it's not all the it's not cooling on a windowsill where you know a hobo is going to come by with his spindle and 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 steal the pie but uh you know it's very your in-laws are going to wake up tomorrow and they're just going to be an empty an empty pie tray and they're going to know that uh, it was drew that did his damage but drew that pie would if that was me that pie would already be gone i know that i mean there's no the, the, you know they're the they have enough uh hope and faith that i'm not going to just snag the pie and before the rest of the family can have their uh can have their get their their knife into it but it really is calling my name just over there it's a, it is tantalizing me right now that that pie say, is just do, sitting by there. the way do we say pecan or pecan or pecan pecan is what pecan, it is. Yeah. you know i used to say yeah. pecan and then i met my wife and i was informed yeah, that everything pecan. i used to say is completely wrong yeah. so pecan pie is is the proper pronunciation but it is you have to we have to class it up here right like we have to say it give it its it's proper french sounding name right Pecan. i'm not sure it's french at all i think it's more southern no than anything but it's, yeah. it's all a matter of opinion do you you know where do you put the emphasis on the right syllable you know it, exactly. it's a matter of opinion uh in any event uh the pie is over there as he's over there i'm drew mandel i wish it's i had illegal. a pie well, you know, if you play your cards right, maybe you too can have a pie one of these days. It's the Illegal Curve uh, post-game show. We're going to be back with more on tonight's Jets victory, a commanding Jets victory 5-1 over the Boston Bruins. Don't go anywhere Friday night. Uh, if you stick with us for another about uh, 17 or so minutes, you'll be able to hear the clock again. So maybe you want to do that. It's Drew. It's Ezzy. It's the Illegal Curve post-game show. Don't go anywhere. We continue on. <laughs> Your coworkers love you because you always make them laugh. You're the life of the party with stories that have them rolling on the floor. Or maybe you're just the quiet one in the corner with the one-liners that just slay. Do you have what it takes to become Winnipeg's funniest person with a day job? Try your luck. Hit the stage at Rumors Comedy Club, and you could be walking away with $1,000 cash. Winnipeg's funniest person with a day job. Presented by Rumors. For all the details, head to RumorsComedyClub.com. So you're a pizza person, you married a wing person, but somehow your kids are salad people. You can't pick your fam, but you can pick your BP meal deal. Starting from $18.99 for takeout or delivery at bostonpizza.com. The game can change. 
just like that. Accidents happen when you aren't protected. So now what? Getting to your injury quickly can make all the difference. Help prevent them from being game changers with Linden Market Dental Center. Bonding, crowns, bridges, and dental implants. State-of-the-art treatments are available to help you get back in the game. To learn more, visit LindenMarketDentalCenter.com. Creating smiles for life. Whoa, Ezzy, everything okay? You look stressed. Of course I'm stressed. We're moving, the house is upside down, the kids failed miserably at packing the fine china, and my life is in chaos. Chaos! Yes, that does sound like a problem. What am I going to do? Ezzy, relax. Rolly's Transfer Moving and Storage is the answer. With 60 years of experience in moving Manitobans and a track record of exemplary customer service, one call to Rollies and your stress is gone. No job is too big or too small. Just visit Rollies.com and they will take it from there. Thanks, Dave. And thank you, Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage, online at Rollies.com. Boston Pizza harnessed Fanalytics to test if the game is better at home or at Boston Pizza. The results are irrefutable. Catch the game at Boston Pizza, powered by Fanalytics. For three generations and over 80 years, Tough Duck has been making apparel that works and plays as hard as the people who wear it. From jackets to work boots and everything in between, Tough Duck's clothing can handle the harshest environments, even the illegal curve hockey show. Work to live, live to play. Visit ToughDuck.com. We're back 11.45 Eastern Time, which would be 10.45 Central Time if my math is correct. I'm pretty sure I understand how time zones work. It's Drew Mandel. I, that is me. Ezra Ginsburg is over there as well. It's the Illegal Curve post-game show talking about the Jets' victory over the Boston Bruins tonight. Again, just a quick programming note for everyone. No Legal Curve Hockey Show tomorrow morning. We're going to take tomorrow morning off right around the holiday season. We usually take one Saturday off. That's going to be tomorrow. We're going to spend a little bit of quality time with our well, respective... You're going, to, you're going to eat the pecan pie? I'm going to be actually... In, I'm going to be in pain because I'm going to eat the pecan pie all night and I expect the family is going to wake up and just find me curled up on the floor groaning, having devoured an entire uh, pie all by myself. Uh, so again, my apologies to everybody, but we're going to take tomorrow off that said, IllegalCurve.com will still be updated as it always is. So that is still your destination for any Winnipeg Jets news, any Manitoba Moose news and audio. We'll be back Wednesday for sure, though, with the postgame show after the Jets and the Chicago Blackhawks. That's a late game, a bit later than normal, 8 o'clock Central, 9 o'clock Eastern for that on uh, Wednesday night, which will make the post-game show uh, about 10.45 Central Time for all those joining us uh, in good old Winnipeg. Uh, Connor Hellbuck with a 9.60 save percentage tonight. That's pretty good. Uh, Josh Morrissey played 24 minutes and 40 seconds tonight. And he's just been... I mean, he's just been dominant as of late, as He is just... just being, he's just being Josh Morrissey, right? Like, he's yeah. just he's just great every single game. There's no other way you could explain it, right? Like, and you know, tonight was maybe a little bit more of a quiet game, even though he scored the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you know the biggest difference for me when you're talking about defensemen like Josh Morrissey or Neil Pionk, I think you know their defensive metrics are what are the most impressive. And Morrissey and Demello have been a great pair for a while now. Um, 
but yeah, Morrissey's just playing, you know, mid twenties and making it look easy out there. Yeah, exactly right. He's just he's just making things that easy for the Winnipeg Jets and for his teammates, and that's you know he's just it's it's sort of come come uh, it's it's what we expect from him at this point in time. Uh, here's Josh Morrissey, this courtesy of our friend Murata Tesh of the Athletic, uh, talking about you know the quote unquote measuring stick that has been the subject of conversation for the last number of big wins that the Jets have had. That game against the Kings, a couple games against the Avs tonight against Boston. Uh, here's Josh Morrissey. Quote, obviously the type of team they have, they being the Bruins, the start they're off to, what they've done not just in the last few years, but the type of team they have over there that's been built in their DNA for a long time. Every time you play against them, you know it's going to be a tough battle. We were ready to go right from the drop of the puck. Measuring stick games in December, I don't really believe in. But I felt we knew and respected the type of opponent we had. And it's a huge win for us, but I guess I'm careful to try to... I guess I'm careful to try to compare against the team in December, meaning don't get, uh, don't count your chickens before they hatch. Don't get too far ahead of yourself. It's still December. The measuring stick games really happen in April and May and June, but the jets are, you know, they're, they're going about their business the right way. They're going about they're They're ready to play for the most part at the drop of a pot at the puck. And they might not necessarily be as, in control of the game as they were for the first 10 minutes of tonight's game because they really were flying from the start of the game. I would say the only part of the game where the Bruins were the better team was the first maybe five to seven, eight minutes of the second period. Yeah. But aside from that, I would say that, you know, the Jets were the better team for, you know, let's let's say 50 minutes out of the, the 60 minutes, right? Like there were some parts of the game where, you know, it was a little more even, but we talked about it. I mean, the game really turned, you know, late in the second period when the Bruins took the too many men on the ice penalty. Um, you know, the Jets almost scored on the power play penalty shot, whatever we're calling it. And yeah. then Niederreiter made it three, nothing. Um, but, you know, the Jets were rewarded for how they were playing and, you know, they just weren't giving the Bruins, you know, a lot. Um, we talked about it between the middle part of the second period and the middle part of the third period that the Bruins only had two or three shots. So, yes, they're not going to award the Stanley Cup, but, you know, this is the way you want to go into the Christmas break, beating one of the best teams in the league. That's just it. I mean, you, you know, were the Jets going to be, you know, too soon? Were they going to be looking ahead to the to the Christmas break too soon? Or are they going to be able to keep their focus tonight? And we certainly saw the answer to the game and that they kept their focus firmly where it needed to be in a dominant victory over the over the uh, Boston Bruins. Uh, you know, a lot of national media, inter, you know, both in north of the border and south of the border paid attention to tonight's game and really are noticing the Winnipeg Jets. You mentioned Paul Bissonnette's comments, the way the Jets are playing, that they could be a Stanley Cup contender just grinding you down. And that's really the MO for this Winnipeg Jets team is to, you know, is just to be so physical and tough to play against. While at the same time, as they're scoring this many goals, I think it's now four, they're averaging four goals a game without Kyle Connor in their lineup. I mean, it's... That's it's, something I don't even think we've mentioned Kyle Connor's name. I know people you haven't had to. Uh, in the chat have been, been talking about Connor, but that's absolutely right. If the Jets had lost, you know, uh, another game or a couple more games, if this, you know, if they had gone one and three on this Mm -hmm. homestand as opposed to three and one, you know, obviously that would be part of the narrative, right? Well, you know, they're without Kyle Connor, but you're right. I mean, that's the thing. We talked about it uh, at Farmery Brewery when we were doing the show there on Saturday morning. You know, we talked about, you know, Shifley, Velarde, Ehlers and how it's going to be tough to break up that line. 
right? Like you could, we, we've all seen the numbers, like the expected goals for expected goals against, like that line is dominant at five on five. Now, when Connor comes back, he'll go to the top line. I mean, he, that, that, that'll just happen. But the problem is then you're breaking up a really like Shifley Velarde Ehlers is one of the best lines in hockey right now. So yes, the Jets are succeeding and flourishing without one of the best goal scorers in the league. And, and you have to, you know, tip your hat to that. Well, and you know, what's most impressive again about what, what Shifley and Velarde and, and Ehlers are doing is that they're not doing it against weak opponents. They're not doing it against, you know, other teams, fourth lines. They're matching up usually against other teams, top lines and just controlling the play. You know, again, you know, Brad Marchand, you know, David Pasternak, they don't get controlled like they did tonight on a regular basis. This was not something that you usually see. And I thought you saw some frustration from both of those players. I mean, anytime they had the puck on their stick, and they're always going to have the puck on their stick, the Jets did such a good job of getting sticks in the lanes or keeping it to the outside and preventing Boston from really getting their you know, and Boston's not a dominant team offensively. You know, they, they don't score a ton. I think coming into tonight's game, they were 20th in terms of goals for in the NHL. They don't give up a lot. They gave up an unusual amount tonight, but they usually don't give up a lot, but they don't score a ton either. And when you can neutralize Marchand and Pasternak, you're going to win the game, but usually you can't neutralize, neutralize those, those Drew, guys. Pasternak had uh, one shot in 17 <laughs> minutes of, of ice time. Sorry, it was, to be exact, it was uh, 17 minutes and, and 43 seconds. He had one shot. And uh, and the, the craziest thing is, you know, I think a lot of people forget Pasternak had 113 points Yeah, last year. 113 points. So mm-hmm. Pasternak, I mean, obviously, you know, he's not, uh, you know, Connor McDavid who had 153 points. But, you know, Pasternak is a top 10 offensive forward in the league, maybe even top five. Right. And so, and the Jets made him look very average tonight so again you're right i mean and again these are the things that you know hockey coaches always talk about you know how how you're successful is by taking time and space away Mm -hmm. getting sticks in the lane being hard to play against and that's the other thing too all the forwards the jets have brought in whether it's gabe velarde alex iafalo vlad nemesnikov nino niederreiter axel jansen fialbi who they got off the waiver wire like they found he had a scoring chance tonight as well yeah but they're just these are not only are they hard to play against, they're just good, good, solid, all-around hockey players, right? They're not superstar hockey players. They're just really good hockey players. And Niederreiter and Velarde, they have found their stride, especially Velarde on that on that top line. Niederreiter's been good all year long. And, I mean, that's why he was rewarded with the three-year contract, right? The Jets were like, you want to stay in Winnipeg? Yeah, we'll give you $4 million <laughs> a year to stay in Winnipeg. We love you, Nino. And then uh, Velarde, after the injury, you know, took him three or four games to get going. But right now, I mean, he's looking like uh, an 11th overall pick, isn't he? He's looking, he just looks like he's so comfortable right now playing as a member of the Winnipeg Jets and playing with Mark Shifley and Nikolai Ehlers. It's it's nice to see a guy just sort of growing into his role and growing into his pedigree. And that's what I think you're seeing uh, from Gabe Velarde uh, as of late, since he's been elevated to that top line. Uh, more uh, courtesy of our friend Murat Atesh of The Athletic. This is Rick Bonus about, uh, you know, people noticing how good the Jets are playing. Uh, quote, regardless of what people think about us or how they measure us, we just measure ourselves against ourselves. This is how we want to play. This is the Winnipeg Jets hockey team. We have high standards here. We have a good hockey club. We believe in ourselves, and that's all that matters. And, you know, that's the Jets head coach 
basically saying, look, shut out all the noise, ignore all the, you know, Nick Saban. I'm a big college football fan, as you all know. Nick Saban says, you know, to remind his players, you know, don't drink the poison. Don't believe what is being said about you. Don't read what is being said about you. Don't listen to what is being said about you. And that's sort of Rick Bonus channeling that same attitude shut out all the distractions, shut out anybody that's not within these walls, within this dressing room, focus on what you need to do to quote Bill Pelichick, do your job and good things are going to happen. And the Winnipeg Jets are, as long as they continue to do their job, like they've been doing it as of late, good things are going to continue to happen for them. And that's Rick Bona saying the same thing right there, as he. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we did talk about how there's a lot of hockey to be played. There's still 50 games to be played but I think you know going into the break and kind of they've erased you know the stench of the loss to Montreal and the loss to San Jose with wins over Colorado and Boston on this homestand right and you know when you look at you know some of the circumstances the Jets have had to deal with whether that's Velarde's injury at the beginning of the season or Rick Bonus having to step aside because of his wife's health and Scott Arneal taking over uh, now you're dealing with the Kyle Connor injury, but the Jets, all they keep doing is winning, right? Mm-hmm. And so again, you know, we've covered this team for 13 years since they came back in 2011. So we've seen a lot of stuff. So we're, I think, maybe uh, less naive than we used to be, but I think you just have to sometimes call it like you see it. And the Jets are just playing really good hockey right now to simplify mm-hmm. it. They're just playing really good hockey. And, and it's great to see. And, and, you know, I'm really happy for, for Jets fans. A lot of people, you know, in the, I imagine most people in the chat are Jets fans. This is your time to enjoy this, right? There was a lot of negativity in the summer. Let's mm-hmm. not forget how much negativity there was with, you know, not only the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade, but, you know, the Wheeler buyout. And then the uncertainty, you know, we thought maybe Scheifele or Hellebuck were going to be traded back in July. Absolutely. So, you know, that obviously didn't happen. And, you know, there was a lot of unknowns going into the season with the addition of new players. But now the Jets are first place in the Central at the Christmas break. And they've beat Colorado and they've beat uh, L.A. and they've beat Boston now. So I think Jets fans, you know, can can sit back tomorrow and enjoy their uh, their turkey dinner knowing that the Jets have earned their spot in the Central Division. Absolutely right. Well said. We'll wrap up tonight's postgame show with the Tough Duck hardest hitting comment. Let's get to that. The Tough Duck Hardison Comment. While you get that ready, Ezzy, I'm going to get the, uh, the, the the clock ready as well because we're about a couple minutes away from the... Dave end. sent me the screenshot yesterday. I like how you get that sure microphone right near the grandfather clock so everybody can hear it. Lots of good comments in the chat tonight. We've got, what, 488 people watching live. We had over 500 people watching live. I'll get yeah. to the comment quickly so we can hear the clock, Drew. We are going to give tonight's Tough Duck hardest hitting comment. Where is it here? We're going to give it to, hold on, I had a few comments. You had hold one on. job, and it's to be prepared for this comment, to get this comment up on the audience. We're going to give it, hold on, we're going to give it to Bart Omond here. That was a complete go. masterclass of how to play hockey in the best game I've seen the Jets 2.0 play, period. I like that bold proclamation. So Bart Omond, send me an email, Ezra at IllegalCurve.com or slide into my DMs on X slash Twitter at ICSEG. With your mailing info and Tough Tuck, we'll ship out a toque to you 
you're not going to get it before Christmas, but you'll get it after Christmas. What's the weather like at home? I, it's 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 unseasonably warm it here. Nice. Need, it's it nice. nice. Yeah, I, I feel sure. like it was like around minus five today. Yeah, it was snowing fun. a little bit. It was foggy out in the morning. But Drew, more importantly, when yeah. is that clock going to ring? Uh, any minute now. Any time. Is that what you call it? Is, it? is that what you say? There you go. The clock has chimed. I can think of no better way to wrap up the pre- That was exciting. Wasn't it? Wasn't it exciting? That I can was think exciting. Of, I can think of no better way to wrap up the pre-Christmas portion of the uh, Winnipeg Jets schedule and the Illegal Curve post-game schedule than uh, from the chime of the clock. Uh, and it's uh, still... Ticking, ticking, ticking here on uh, in Kentucky and on the Illegal Curve post-game show. The clock knows all, and there you go. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday night for the post-game show after the Jets and the Chicago Blackhawks. Congratulations to Bart Omen, of course, uh, for winning on the uh, on the uh, Tough Duck hardest-hitting comment. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, and there's been so many of you joining us tonight, and it's terrific. So please smash the like button if you haven't already done so, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. We do this again on Wednesday night and we do it after each and every Winnipeg Jets uh, uh, game here with the Illegal Curve post game show I do want to say a big thank you to all of our sponsors we're going to say a little bit we'll, we'll do a nice little Christmas greeting as well but I got to give a big thank you and a big shout out to the sponsors of Illegal Curve who make the post game show the Saturday show and the website a possibility our friends at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club maybe you're looking for something to do on New Year's Eve still if you're looking to make New Year's Eve plans may we recommend Rumors restaurant and comedy club uh, our friends at linden market dental center zapia group realty betway tough duck boston pizza seagram's rollies transfer and of course farmery beer support these fine businesses because of their continued support of illegal curve hockey i'm definitely cracking one of those farmery icy light beers as soon as we go off air here i was going to bring one down but i thought you know what? I'm going to be sober for tonight's post game show. This was a big yeah. win over the Bruins. I got yeah. to keep it classy. That's nice. That's nice of you to stay sober for the post game show for, for one like, hour. For one hour, it's very. But <laughs> way to make a sacrifice, you know. Um, you know, again, this is the last show before Christmas. So uh, even though. As you all know, Ezzy and I don't celebrate Christmas. We do know how important of a time it is to gather with your friends and your family and your loved ones. And with all the noise and all the negativity that surrounds us uh, more often than not, it's it's an important time to sort of step back from that and, and be with one another and be with our loved ones. And so from both my perspective and Ezzy's perspective and Dave's perspective, even though he's not here, we hope you get some time away you know, not too much time away. You still got to come back next Wednesday and you still got to go to legalcurve.com in, in the interim. But we hope you spend some time with your family and your friends and your loved one. You get together and you share some laughs and you share some love and you just get that uh, quality time and get to recharge a little bit and refresh yourself and so that we can go hard again for 2024 and for the next couple of Winnipeg Jets games and everything else that goes on in your life. All the, uh, all the you know, the important stuff and whatever it does, it does that 
for you to spend this time together. We hope you really enjoy it and you cherish it. And we appreciate each and every one of you for joining us as often as you do here on the Illegal Curve Post Game Show. Because frankly, if it wasn't for all y'all joining us here, we wouldn't be doing this. This is you guys are the key to this. We do it as long as you guys keep showing up. And so you know, when we ask you to smash the like button and you go ahead and do that, we appreciate it. And when you we ask you to to leave us feedback and you go ahead and do it, and we appreciate it. And when you we ask you to subscribe to the YouTube channel and you do it, we appreciate it. And when we ask you to go tell a friend that the best place to be after each and every Winnipeg Jets game is back here on the Illegal Curve Post Game Show, well, we appreciate it when y'all do that for us. So on behalf of Dave in Abstentia, on behalf of Ezzy there on the screen, on behalf of yours truly, Drew Mandel, all the best in the holiday season, all the best in, over Christmas, all the best uh, with your friends and your family and your loved ones. And however you're going to celebrate, we hope that you do so safely. And we'll see you back here on Wednesday night for the Illegal Curve post game show after the Jets and the Blackhawks. Until then, for Ezra Ginsburg, I'm your host, Drew Mandel. We wish you good night and good luck. And thanks for watching the Illegal Curve post game show. Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening to this broadcast from Illegal Curve Hockey. For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.